Uh, welcome to uh, Totally Reality, episode two. two. Uh, so, my name is Toby, and we're joined with <laughs> Toby. Nick. What's up? Did you just get the name of the podcast wrong? <laughs> uh, totally Reality. Uh, no, it's Totally Relevant. Totally Relevant? Oh, geez, sorry. It's my misspelling that I've written down here. Uh, the, uh, the awful traits of having dyslexia. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say, let me just tell you a story about that. <laughs> I was hosting a grime festival. I fucking hate grime. I didn't know any of the artists. Yeah, this was last year, and basically, this their lead, the headline act was a DJ called Tiffany Calver, and she's like replacing uh, Charlie Sloth on BBC, and she's Drake's DJ when he's over in the UK. And I didn't know who the fuck she was, so I wrote a name on my hand, but I, I basically, I like must have got distracted while writing her surname. So I left off the R on Calva. And so I got up on stage, and this is the most annoying thing, is there's actual video evidence of me doing this. I go, ladies and gentlemen, introducing her. I look at my hand, and then I look back at it, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So I just went, Tiffany Clays, <laughs> like that, and walked off and was like, and everybody was like, what the fuck? And I was like, nay, I can't believe it. Sorry. Okay, carry on. I'm sorry. Oh. That was honestly... One of the downest <laughs> points in my career, that was. Sorry about that. You just learned a lot about me there, guys. <laughs> we, we, we've all been there. I, um, I, once, <laughs> I, I presented an award and I accidentally presented the winner to the runner-up and the runner-up to the winner. Oh, I believe that's called, uh, that's called a la-la land, isn't it, when you do it, that? Yeah, it's basically that situation before, oh, before that happens. So there wasn't even a precedent How'd... for it. How did you get out of it? What did you do? Did you have to, like, did they come up on stage? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't find oh. out until, like, after <laughs> the whole thing had finished. And, like, oh, maybe it, 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 it was on Twitter, like, um, an hour later or, like, 20 minutes later. Uh, people oh, being like, yeah, we, we got the wrong award. And uh, it was really embarrassing. That is beautiful. That's delicious. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Totally Irrelevant on episode two, where we discuss about branded filmmaking. I'm Toby. I'm Nick, and we are joined by three guests today, not two. Uh, so this is going to be really, really, really fun to edit. We'll start with Nick Chitty. Do you want to say sort of who you are and what you do? Hi, I'm Nick Chitty. Um, I started Digital Hippo along with Nick and Toby while we were at uni. Um, and while they went off to do other things after uni, I carried it on and I'm now a freelance videographer and do um, lots of different things in the freelance world. Hi, I'm Rowan Johnson. I run a video production company called South Point Films based in Southampton. I started the company um, after I graduated from university and we do corporate video, so promotional videos, training films, events, that kind of thing. Um, and also for a while I ran a software company as well uh, doing video hosting and that kind of thing, but uh, focused now on the video production. Nice. Bring us to Kishi. Hi, I'm Kesey Alavane. Uh, I am creative director for Unit One Films, which is a film company that's set up within the media school at the University of Gloucestershire. I've worked in the industry for a while and worked in television for a bit and PR, doing video, and then moved over to, uh, to my current position. I'm also a voiceover artist and I host events and I'm a presenter as well for various things. So all aspects of video and, and production and stuff like that. Well, that's quite interesting, actually. You said you sort of do all aspects. I feel like everyone does in like the freelance world. But do you think, from your guys' experience, do you think it's a necessity to be sort of a jack of all trades? Or do you think it's good to specialise in certain things and build up a team around you that can do the rest? I used to try and be a jack of all trades. But the truth of it is that I'm just not good at some things. <laughs> and, you know, no matter how hard I try, you know, it's, that's not going to change. But, uh, one of the things, when I became a director, one of the things that I uh, read was that you surround yourself with people who are better than you. And I mm -hmm. think that's a, a really important thing. Although it's good to be able to do it all by yourself, it is really good to uh, have that, you know, team around you. And also then you're supporting other people who are in the same situation as you. I love getting in a yep. big job where I know that I can fill it up with some really cool people who do some really cool stuff and make sure they're fed as well as me you know i think that's an integral part of sharing the wealth robin hood call me robin hood do you guys just want to sort of tell us how covid has potentially affected you or 
the work you do and and either your companies or the freelance lifestyle what's covid been like for you yeah sure i mean it's been weird um, <laughs> i think everyone can agree on that um like it, it's really strange because five months ago we weren't really thinking about this i mean obviously if you're reading the news at the time there was this, the reports of it uh emerging in china and everything and I, I even remember sort of even in february being like i'm not too worried about it these things have happened before similar things have happened before and they've never particularly gotten out of hand and it's never really impacted us here um in the uk and um obviously here we are now in the in the current situation where it has impacted really bad from a, a work perspective it's been quite interesting um most of my filming works uh, has has stopped for the time being um and particularly in the the very first sort of stages of the the lockdown thinking like mid march from like the 17th onward when they started saying work from home and so on um things just kind of paused and came to an immediate halt on on so many projects and um that's still the case on a lot of things but i'm finding now that um it's starting to open back up again and people are starting to come back and ask for some filming here and there so new projects are starting um and and i think now that we've all had a chance to adapt to social distancing and um working from home but but particularly um you know the ppe has started to come through it's not quite as constrained as it was um going out and doing some filming if it can be done sensibly is fine i've done a couple of shoots now um where i've been out with a camera so um it's okay. just yeah opening back up a bit which is good I, I had my first shoot actually yesterday since it all happened and people are still trying to shake my hand. Oh, gosh. I'm like, no, <laughs> tap my elbow if you must. Oh, the elbow <laughs> shake. We did that before yeah. we uh, went all into isolation at work uh, when we were doing training. It wouldn't be the case of going out of the hand. And this teacher just brought out his elbow. And this is the first time I ever saw this. And I was like, what, what are you doing? Like waving his elbow yeah, at me? Unfortunately, you can't can't keep a two meter distance while touching elbows. Your elbows aren't quite long enough. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I reckon my elbow's about a metre long. <laughs> my four, my two arm. I'm quite, I'm quite, I'm quite swollen. So, <laughs> elongated. Yeah, cut that bit out. <laughs> that's, that's going in. <laughs> um, how has things been for you, Nick? I think one of the hardest things in freelance is you never know when your next job's going to be, or you never know, you know, five jobs time, you don't know what's, what, what it's going to be. Um, I had... quite a lot of weddings planned to film over the summer and obviously they've all been cancelled or rearranged Um, luckily most of them have been rearranged for next year so it's not that I have lost the income completely but more that it's been delayed Um, right at the start of when this all started to sort of kick off in the UK I was filming some properties in the Cotswolds um, which obviously is fine because they let me in and I'm on my own in the house, um, you know, I'm not coming into contact with anyone necessarily. They can leave the door unlocked. I can go in, wear gloves when I'm in the house, so that you know anything that's contaminated or whatever, I don't. Even if I touch it, I'm I'm fine. Um, but yeah, it's sort of my work sort of dried up right at the start. Um, but as everything, I wouldn't say settled down because it's still we're still in a in lockdown. But as people got used to social distancing and not having to go into work necessarily um a lot of real estate companies sort of got in touch and said well we can't people can't go and view houses now so the next best thing is video um so you know my work has picked up from that um which is uh, it's it's obviously great but irritating from the sense that um what six months ago maybe a year ago i was approaching all these companies saying do you want uh, real estate videos and they were saying oh no no we can't see a market in that and all of a sudden they're all running back saying oh you mentioned you did this um we think it might be a good idea and i'm thinking well you know we could could have done this but it's it's good that it's they're now sort of taking notice of the fact that it's a good idea and it is producing a lot of work for me from that i think there's going to be a big boom in video because people have just had a few months off where the costs are going to be down and then also they've got a lot of time to think about things but not actually do anything 
So they're going to be coming up with marketing plans, business plans, which are going to involve video heavily. I mean, video use was already on the increase. But I think now, just they've been sitting and stewing. Think how many, how important video has been over the last few months for getting like messages out there. Companies, you know, putting out their messages that when they're on the rebound, I think, yeah, they're just going to be lapping it up. It's going to, it's going to be a fruitful year for us coming up, lads. <laughs> Well, yeah, the I've bounty had, will be full. I've had companies get in touch saying, you know, obviously not right at the minute, but we, as soon as everyone comes back to work, there are training things that we had in place that couldn't go ahead because everyone had to be in the same room. So I had one at the at the Shard in London, for example, that was a training for um, lots of employees. And obviously they couldn't, I think they're one of the, well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what I'm saying, but someone at the Shard, uh, thought they might have had it, so they had to self-isolate. So it all it all came crashing down, and and we couldn't film. But that um that's been rearranged. But it's going to be one person in a room de- uh, delivering the whatever the training, and I'm going to film it, and then we can distribute it and reuse it over and over again. So it almost adds longevity to it, the training that they would have done that that now because of COVID has sort of developed into that are possibly a whole new it not industry but they they would now use video instead of live conferencing or live um training that wasn't there before so i think i think there are a couple of positives that certainly for us that might come out of this uh, yeah well, and uh, i think it, and it's that uh, old thing where you know we found out how many meetings could have been done by email over the last, over the last two months and you know i think that that's if things don't change it'll be sad yeah I'm I'm very optimistic about it as well. Um and I, I think the only only potential risk is that um a lot of companies have gone and worked from home and, and they started exploring things themselves. So um they've they've tried Zoom and Microsoft Teams and they've tried um these other tools that um they've started adopting. Um and I think the only potential risk there is that um, a lot of companies, at least initially, will start trying to use these tools for things that they're not really designed for. So like trying to do a sales mm, yeah. pitch or like a where you would traditionally do like a live stream of like a, a one to many live stream through YouTube or Twitch or, or Facebook Live or, or something mm. like that, where they might go, oh, well, let's try doing it on Zoom because we know we can do it on Zoom. <laughs> and they use their webcam and it's really rubbish looking. Um, so I think the only... You know, I, I always call clients beautiful idiots because they're beautiful. I love them. They're beautiful. They, you know, pay for me to live, but they're idiots at the same time in, in the nicest possible way. It's like, yeah, sure, go on then, do it on Skype. Hey, I, I'll, I'll let you call me in like a couple of days. <laughs> beautiful idiots yes. I love them yes love them so there'll be, there'll be a dip I think um, but then on the other side of it once they've all tried these things and they've realised that it doesn't really work they'll go okay we need to get yeah. professionals in to yeah, exactly right exactly exactly people are going to have so much to sell as well like even even like high street businesses who who have been probably like massively affected by the closure of their shops are going to need to get the message out and like you said Kishi about sort of the power of video communicating messages about safety and stuff it's going to be amplified even more, isn't it, about sort of getting people back on the high street, supporting local businesses. Um, a lot of people have realised a lot of things can be done from home or, they, you know, people don't all need to be in the same place. And there will hopefully be stronger respect maybe for sort of um, for video and, and the power of tech in the future on the other side of this. I tell you what, though, there's a lot to be said. I remember going on a shoot with somebody. I, I did a shoot for... Uh, I was working for a company and they had like a partnership with... Uh, a big insurance firm, let's just say that. And uh, basically, there was one day where they were like, oh, join the film crew and you can see how it is they shoot. And, uh, you know, they uh, put on a shoulder rig and tried to do a slow zoom. And they just, you know, simple things like that. They couldn't get the hang of the control of the zoom ring and stuff like that. And it made them realise, like, how our job isn't just putting a camera down and filming something. You know, there's so many things to take in to account so even though like what Rowan said you know there might be a dip where they have a go and then head office writes back and goes what the hell is that (laughs) but it's good for them to have a go you know it's like a child has to touch a hot plate to know that it burns you know what I mean (laughs) that's what this that's what this stage is 
I think it, it makes them appreciate you more if they try and fail. Yeah, so let them. Well, my favourite thing is, I don't know how much of this, because this just might get me in trouble, but my favourite thing is when they're like, oh, we spoke to Sue in accounting and her son is studying film. And they say that uh, potentially it would be good if we did this at this bit. So I have to just show them. Here you are. Here it is. Do you like that? No, it looks horrible. No. It's like du- duplicate sequence, <laughs> make the change, and then just delete that sequence, you know? <laughs> I've had a uh, situation with that with a client when I was uh, back in Gloucester, uh, while working in Gloucester on a job. Uh, it was for theatre. And I did have this guy, and I feel like he was still in the, uh, the 90s or something like that because I was basically doing a multi-camera shoot and he would ask for all the raw footage, which was about 200 gigabytes worth. And he would ask him, could you fit them all the raw onto DVD? <laughs> I got asked on the job. I got somebody randomly contacted me and asked me to edit some things in a feature film that he had. So I did it. And then he was like, I need it burnt onto uh, like Blu-ray or maybe it was just high quality DVD. But I'll only pay you if the DVD works in like a, in like a CD cinema screener. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going. Who the hell has a DVD burner? <laughs> What's it's that? a tricky one because when you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to sort of cover starting out. So I, in my first year of uni, I did... I freelanced for nothing. I did it for free. Um, and I, was, I know people say don't work for free, but I was totally happy to do it. And I actually saw... You guys might be the same. I saw great value in that because it was it allowed me to basically go out, do loads of stuff for lots of clients, even though I knew I was pretty shit at the time. Um, I could learn from my mistakes and in the edit I could learn and they didn't really mind what I gave them. It was always good stuff in my opinion, but like they didn't really mind um, if if there was a mistake because they know they hadn't paid me. And then in the summer, the end, the summer um, of my first year of uni, I started charging because, okay, I've, I've, you know, I've learned what I've got to learn. I feel like what I can offer is now valuable. I think it's such a, I mean, with any starting career, especially when you're fresh out of uni, it's just uh, ripe for exploitation. And people are so... Uh, so bitter about playing like when you say to somebody yeah my day rate's 300 or 350 or whatever it is that you know really you know just for video and actually somebody told me when I first started out is you have to have conviction in the price that you quote so I knew that my experience and what I had learned and everything like that was worth that amount how often do you guys sort of feel like you're learning new skills in this industry because like, i guess with the advancement of tech there's always new stuff to learn but do you ever sort of are you ever working on something and then one day you're like oh i could have done it that way all along and yeah yeah every day every yeah, day I so. every every, yeah. every shoot yeah every single every interaction google oh geez yeah <laughs> you know like uh i think i don't think i could do, could do what i do without <laughs> google because we're just you know it's a global village you know you can just pop to your neighbor whether they be like some guy in Hong Kong making video. It's some twelve-year-old kid in Hong Kong making editing videos. You can just ask them how to do it, and there, there it is a wealth of knowledge. And especially with updates, and also like it's so nuanced, isn't it? It's with editing, like I, sorry, I'm talking loads. I'm really sorry, uh, but like with editing software, specifically like After Effects, it's so nuanced that you can. There's so many different ways to use so many different effects, and. Uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, After Effects will realise that they've been do- uh, people have been doing this really. Uh, Adobe, sorry, will realise that people have been doing this really hacky way of getting around something, and then they'll just release something, an update where you just click one button. So it's just, it's integral to keep on learning. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. If you get to a point where you're not learning anymore, you may as well just stop, really, because it's kind of it. You've you've reached the end. It's you've completed it, and it's. Uh, and you, and you shouldn't in this industry. It changes so much. The technology is always changing. But also, I think there's so much to learn and, and enhance with even just workflow mm. and process and that kind of thing with, with thinking about how you uh, approach a project and how you deal with uh, clients and stuff. Like if you are freelance or you run a, a business, a small business, every single process, every single part of that is a process that you can be refining, you can be changing, you can be going, how can I do this better? Um, you know, like thinking, um, how can I make more money from this process in the sense of like how much time you're spending on it versus how much you're charging for? Um, and that kind of thing is, is, yeah, there's infinite room for improvement. I like what you said there as well. It's, you know, the moment you stop learning, that's because you've given up. You don't want to learn anymore. You're not interested in the in the trade anymore, really, are you? Because... 
that's what's so delicious about this trade is that you can every day something new nom 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 you know great <laughs> it's quite good what you were saying Kish, about the the wealth of online information because there is a wealth there is so much on there um i know before i've i've accepted someone's asked me to do something and like oh do you know how to do this and i know i don't know how to do it but i know there's there's so much info online i can learn how to do it and i have done and i've you know yeah and it, there's just absolutely 100%. you can learn so much and you can train yourself um so while i've mentioned that uh how important do you guys think a university education is? Are you all university educated? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I went to university when I was a little bit older. I kind of retrained. So for me, I saw it as a vocational thing. It was like, I want a new career. This is what I'm going to go into. And then I followed on from it, you know. And, and even then, I studied television production. and I worked in television for a while. But, uh, you know, it was the cameras that I ended up getting more interested in. Not so much the cameras. The technical aspect always... Like, you know, what new cameras are out. It's cool and everything, but they change so quickly, it kind of bores me. I'm really interested in, like, framing and everything like that and just kind of setting up, like, Gucci shots. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, that's what university gave me. And then I met all the people who I work with and stuff like that, kind of, at uni. But then, I don't know. That's my answer to that. I don't know, because I've met people who did completely different... One of the best filmmakers I know, Flux, uh, Barney Witz from Flux Films, who I do the taste plug with, which is like a food vlog. Um, mm -hmm. He's one of the best filmmakers I know, and he started popular music. And then afterwards, he started making his own music videos and then got into film like that. So he didn't have any technical training when it comes to like universities. So I guess it's down to the individual or what path you want to go down, really. I, I would, I would say if you're going if you're thinking of of university from a going there to learn the technical stuff then you're probably wasting your time because by the time that you get to university and they've put the curriculum together and everything like that the, the stuff that you're learning on a technical level is already out of date the software's already updated the cameras have already changed like it, it's kind of that that's a bit pointless but if you look at it from the perspective of, of learning some of the theory I mean I, I did a very practical course at, at university so um but I think there's a lot of theory that is very important to learn, like the framing, like thinking about what a shot conveys and that kind of thing if you're going into the filming side of things. But the same with the edit, like knowing about pacing. All that kind of stuff is stuff that's kind of universal and can be taught. Mm. I got really involved in student TV um, at my university, um, kept making things for that, filming events, cutting my teeth, filming gigs, stuff that people weren't like we published it on youtube nobody watched it but the process of learning that learning how to interface with people and clients and stuff i think if you use it as a springboard for going out and building your knowledge and building your skills and you've got the drive to do that i think it's absolutely worth it and and also from the networking perspective and i think of like some of the best jobs that i've done in recent memory have all been because I've known someone from university who needed a helping hand and they thought of me. Um, I did a job in Dubai in December, um, a week editing on site at a conference. And that was a referral from someone I went to university with. So in that respect, I think it's it's absolutely worth it. But um, if you're not really that bothered about um, making a career of this and you're just kind of going to see what it's like and you're hoping that at the end of it you'll be gifted a career on a silver platter then um it's probably it's probably not worth uh getting into debt you for, get out you know? of it what you put in don't you that's i think 100 percent. if you if you put your all in and take all the opportunities and as long as you're at a good university um you know you, you're gonna get you reap what you say yeah I'll just jump in, Nick, before we come to you. So I was going to say, I completely agree with what, what you said there, Rowan. It was like, for me, and I'm sure uh, a lot of the guys would agree, for me, university was, yeah, you get the chance to experience a massive broad range of different things um, and try lots of different things out. But for me, the, the biggest thing I think I take from the whole three years of studying was was the experience and the networking. And you try different projects, you work on different things, um, and you build up a you build build up a network of people who who you know who do give you different jobs and who you do work with on different things and then when they go out into the world and take different paths um you know it's a network of contacts they come back also sorry I, and uh, what you were saying about you know there are some things which are going to be uh, the same all the way through you know i ain't going to change 
and Nick can attest to this, where I, like uh, Unit 1 runs a summer school, mm-hmm. and I say to all the kids that come to the summer school, nobody here is going to change filmic conventions. Like, there are some things which are just the way they are, and and it's good to good to know that, like, on a theoretical uh, side, so that you're not wasting your time trying things that are definitely not going to work. They're tried and tested and failed, you yep. know? So, Nick, don't tell us what you... What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, well, I think Sorry. if someone had said to me before I went to uni, these are the skills you will learn at uni. You know, like how to how to operate all these, you know, different lots of different cameras, how to frame correctly, how to, you know, do the basics of filming properly and editing properly. Would Would I have gone to uni? And the answer is probably not, because I can... Even though... In the first year, we were taught the basics of editing. Most of what I know on how to edit, I've either looked at myself or figured out through doing it. So, yeah. you know, is was paying all that money and spending three years at uni not actually being taught anything? Was it worth it? Maybe not. But like you say... that great fun. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, the important bit of... I felt going to uni was the people that you meet more more than anything because really I know a lot of people say it but it really is like who you know because if, if if you get asked to do a job and maybe you're not the best person for that job but you know someone that can do it you can still say oh yeah I'll sort it out for you uh, and then maybe work together you're still remembered aren't you yeah you're you can still get the job you're remembered you can get jobs in the future you can improve your skills and that's all through who you know. That's not necessarily through what you know. It's it's a wealth of creativity, which has always made me feel really happy being at uni because everyone's just so creative and everyone tries and no one really worries about the fear of failure, which is really good when you're doing really massive projects. Like me and Toby have done loads and loads of different things while at uni. Um, and we've just, we've been like, how the fuck are we going to do this? And then we've got our heads down and we've just pushed on and... I mean, they've always been a you know success. They've always been really fun to work on. It's just there's so much creativity and positivity, and then you build a team, and everyone's just really wants to do the best job. Um, and then it doesn't matter if you fuck up. You know, you're at uni; it's a great place. I obviously can't talk about um, what it's like to not be at uni because I I did go to uni, so um... it's a bit of a mute question, isn't it? Really, because we can't get an advice. <laughs> We're all going to be like, well, we can give you one experience. I know a couple of people who have set up a company doing uh, digital marketing stuff. They didn't. Neither of them went to uni. Neither of them even did like video stuff at school. Well, let's let's not talk about them because we're we're all in debt. So let's not talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think a lot of what they do is is also who they know, but they don't necessarily have the I'd say like the baseline knowledge of the technical, you know, how to operate cameras. I think on that as well. Sometimes it's it's easy to overlook the fact that. We know what's right and wrong as professionals with when we see footage, we know if it's got auto exposure because you see the way that the camera changes its um, yeah. changes brightness when it moves around a room because it's gone past a window. Or we know if it's on auto white balance because there might be two interviews filmed in the same room with completely cut, different color balance. But to most people, they don't see that. And, yeah. and subconsciously, they'll know that there's something wrong and it looks a little bit amateur, but they won't know why. Um but despite that, sometimes what they've captured, the content is more important than the technical side of things. I've done a lot of stuff where clients have sent me footage. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, one of our guys down at the factory filmed this on his iPhone. Please put this in. It looks great. We really want to show off the fact that it's this product <laughs> in this portrait. place. Oh, yeah. And it's and it's and it looks awful. <laughs> and the audio is like... <laughs> I'd say so, uh, like my wife, lover, she went out. Uh, so she uh, works for um, a town management uh, organization. There we go, nice and vague. And so <laughs> they went out and did some messages for COVID. And uh, I told her, film it horizontal and like, uh, you know, so it's nice and wide. And she heard, film it nice and wide. So they're really far away and it was really windy. And the audio was really bad. And she's like, I just assumed you could fix that. And I was like, audio, audio, my nightmare. Yeah, same. Yeah, good fun times. Sometimes that clip is the thing that actually closes a deal. 
because the content is, even though technically it's completely atrocious, the actual content of what they've got, maybe like showing a product in a specific place is actually more important than the technical stuff. So I, I think there is an element of like not worrying too much about the, I mean, obviously like we want to make sure as professionals that it's always really good because that's what they're paying for. But um, it is quite easy sometimes to get lost on the, the technical side. Um when the content is more important. The worst part of the career, and I'm sure everybody here will agree with this, is that like I can't watch films now. When I watch films, it's like I'm noticing everything. I was literally about to just say that. I was like, how often do you watch stuff? Yeah. The only time, the, the, the way I know when a film is really good is when I'm not like looking at cuts and stuff like that and uh, I'm, I'm like fully engaged. But even today, I started, wait, have you watched Devs? Oh, yeah. Which is a thing that it's, it, yeah. So it's really nice. There's an interview. It's in the first episode, and it's kind of like he's being kind of interrogated by security. And the security guard is just a real nice counter zoom going in towards him. And then the other guy who's being interviewed is a counter zoom going away from him. So, like, you know, we're closing in on the security guard where it's getting wider on there. But, like, uh, it was done uh, getting wider on the person being interviewed. But it was so subtle that, like, like all you would do if you didn't know the technique you'd be looking at it and just feeling a little bit uncertain i thought absolutely sense i know this isn't that kind of show but i thought that was like some outstanding yeah camera work and that <laughs> i love it when i see really good stuff but i i i'm sure you guys do as well but i really hate it when i pick up on something that is just they've 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 fucked up i'm always like why <laughs> that's what i say why <laughs> You know, like Christopher Walken. I can't watch reality shows. But once so. you once you spot one thing, you then spend the rest of the film just noticing everything. Yeah, yeah, and tearing it apart. That's BBC is rubbish for that as well. If you watch BBC stuff, like you can tell something it reeks it like Bodyguard reeked of BBC. You know <laughs> what I mean? You're like, oh, jeez. <laughs> like, I watched it all, but I was like. You know, just kind of really like mid safe. shots. Yeah, very safe. Yeah, yeah, loads of mid shots. Like safety is in the mid shot. Everybody's scared, you know. But that's when you get that real like emotion is in the close ups or those big bleak wides. And BBC are so scared of them, and everything's so crisp. All the blacks are perfectly black. You know <laughs> what I mean? Everything's like, oh, like oh, it's kind of dark, but I can see everything, so I feel safe. BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite excited about um the ease of making more stuff think of things like autofocus i've um been i use a c200 a canon c200 as my main camera and i have done for a couple of years now and i can't remember the last time i i really shot heavily with manual focus because the autofocus is just so good on it um and at 4k it's like canon autofocus with like i had the c100 mark ii with the with an l series lens and it was just absolutely outstanding so beautiful so responsive that is like i regret selling that camera 200 percent if it was absolutely such a nice camera i got one you can buy have you we'll chat we'll chat it's not the time <laughs> i'm not using it i'm not using it at the minute <laughs> Take, take, take that elsewhere. I haven't used it. <laughs> Everyone's flogging their stuff. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a bit of a, yeah, just on the way to the recession. It's all becoming much more accessible. And do it, like you say, do it yourself. But they don't know what we know, do they? Yeah. That's, our, that's our power. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I don't know about you guys. I, I didn't have any family background in this or anything. I, I started no, I making films like just in my bedroom when I was a kid. I, I, I used to make stop motion videos, um, which is really sad, but that's what I did um, and spent all my teenage years just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> making plasticine uh, videos. And, and um, I taught, it taught me so much about using the kit and using cameras and framing and everything that I never would have been able to do that had I not lived in a time when I could have had a cheap webcam to do it. And if I'd have been born two, five, ten years earlier, I could I would be doing something completely different with my life. And I, I think like how many people are coming out, like coming up now, young people, um, people who are like in their teens now using TikTok and learning how these uh, tools so work, jealous of who them. are going to be coming into so our industry. Jealous of them. They, they've they've got so much available to them it's crazy um and what kind of awesome content are they going to be making in the next 10 years when they're where we are um 
it, it's really exciting. It's going to push us forward because we're going to have to keep up with oh, them. Damn it. Um, we're going to be hiring them. That's what I'll do. I'll just hire them. <laughs> <laughs> but I was an actor and like, uh, you know, I was acting up until about 24 uh, and that's when, no, 23. And that's when the recession hit. And my, I uh, was like, I'd moved, I'd moved around and I'd lived in New York and in Paris and then like came back and I was living in Devon in my mum's house and the recession hit and there's no jobs. And my mum was like, maybe you should go to uni. And I was like, damn straight, I should go to uni. And I, yeah, de- you know, I, I hadn't touched a camera before that. Well, what made you do TV? What made you go for creative degree at uni? Uh, because and not acting. Uh, so I did. I did acting. I went to uni and did acting. And but I've, I've, like, I wanted to use it as a way to learn a new skill. Like uh, the thing that I found with acting at uni, I dropped out after a year. I felt like I was like, I know all this. Like I, I it really felt redundant. Like I've acted since I was like, uh, you know, ten years old. Uh, and uh, the school that I went to lent quite heavily on acting. So, yeah, I don't know if that's relevant. I can't remember what started on this rant. That was fine. It's rolling around. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I'm just sort of like in the background calculating everything down as uh, we're going along. Um, But I've got one question coming up. Uh, Well, actually, no, I'll say it. No, I'm not coming up. (laughs) And here Um, it is. So, <laughs> what's your favorite right. color <laughs> uh so pretty much do you guys have any tips for uh new entries into the branding uh filmmaking be nice to everybody be so nice i found the people that i employ so when i started the people who employed me were people who uh liked me and i got on with and then the people i employ now and the people who i re-employ are people who like uh, I get along with not because not you know favoritism or anything like that it's just shoots are long and stressful be positive that's the big one don't moan about anything be positive as hell use your initiative don't stand around on your phone if I'm paying you put your phone away you know those kind of things I think they go because as well as you know you can learn everything else but those skills I think they're invaluable talking about you employing people if if you work with someone who's nice and and is good in front of other people and is intuitive and they're not always on their phone it makes you think do you know what i can actually this bring guy. this person onto another yeah, project yeah. you know they're, they're interested in what they're doing they're not they're not bored yeah i mean well. nick we we've worked together on multiple things and it's because i've worked with you in the past that i know i can work with you in the future if you know what i mean and it's just that, yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, that's very important. Well, if you get a job, mate, I need some money right now. I mean, you got my yeah. number. And, mate, me if you get a job, <laughs> I, I also can do with some money right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know. Something to uh, very valuable about that as well, because during in my past as well, working around in a few sets and stuff, doing coffee runs is a really good way, I find, with like networking and people remember you. But they won't just remember you for coffee runs because if you've had a nice conversation about them with interest that you have learnt and you want to process into, uh, it's worth just jumping on that bandwagon of getting cups and teas and coffees for people on a shoot. Or yeah, like but that. it's being savvy with it. So you don't call it a tea or coffee run. You go, oh, I might make a cup of coffee. Do you want one? Like that. So you don't make them feel like, oh, the new, that's the new guy. He's getting coffee. Or that's a new person. It's 2020. I'm sorry. So uh, you've got to make it like you're part of the team rather than you're like the skivvy who's there to do it. It's just about being savvy with things like that, Ma- making yourself part of the team rather than just like a, a Klingon. And I, God knows I've had shoots where I've been a Klingon and then I just felt terrible at the end of it and you just feel a little bit like you've not really brought anything to the table. But then I've had shoots where I've, been, I've played the confident part and off the back of it, you know, that's, I, that's how I ended up working on the Great British Bake Off. Uh, for a season I I was like uh, I I went there for like I I had a day running and uh, there were three of us from my uni course that had a day running and then uh, my day led to two days led to a week led to a month then I was in like in the uh, offices like doing uh, like uh, logging and stuff like that you know and that that was the start of that career you know it's uh, yeah be lovely that's just a good lesson for life though be lovely don't be a dick i guess it's worth it work ethic really isn't it it's it's work ethic it's discipline it's um 
just being dependable and reliable. Like, I think most people who end up running things are like who are running a shoot or whatever will will admit that a lot of times when you've got a million things that you're juggling you're not always the clearest communicator you're not always giving people things in a way that's particularly easy for them to comprehend like if you've gone through the effort of like preparing a call sheet beforehand and then you're getting like a text the day before being like oh what time do I need to be there and you're like well it was on the call sheet that I sent you yesterday like it's it's little things like that that will will mean that at the end of the day you're not going to get us to come back to the next one because you're just adding to the list of things that are on a to-do list for someone you're adding to the work you don't want to create more work you want to decrease the amount of work i agree with you rowan you we should be friends rowan <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna add you on facebook i, I think so it's a <laughs> A hashtag networking. There we go. We're bringing people together in the crisis. That's what it was all about. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> but the thing, this, this is, this is it though. I mean, like for anyone listening who doesn't really understand what networking is, this is it. It's, it's talking to people. You never know who you're going to meet. So take, like, take advantages of opportunities. I found out about this podcast through a friend of mine who I met through student media many, many, many years ago, and I was like, sounds like it could be fun. Yeah, put me, puts me in front of some people I don't know. And that's how you end up meeting people and, and you never know what will happen um, as a result of it. Might be nothing, but could be something. And it doesn't know, like everything's, everything's networking. And even when you work on different projects, so I know this doesn't sort of relate to this part, but um, I'm, I don't really work in branded anymore or anything like that. I do freelance a little bit, but I've sort of tried to skew into sort of the TV area. Um, I'm doing a bit of research on the documentary at the moment and a lot of people in my old contacts I've had to go back through either for um, advice or to get people into so it's like a COVID documentary um, and we're, we're looking at loads and loads of different areas so I'm going back to people who I've worked with in the past or who I just know randomly through other people um, and sort of exploiting their networks and stuff to get contributors or different people's opinions and stuff on board um, yeah. and you just don't know it yeah. until you're in a situation where you're like oh I someone's you know so and so so and so or so and you know someone's friend or yeah everyone's everyone's valuable like it's networking for contributors is it hasn't even networking it's just knowing people I had a similar thing where we were making a video and we needed a broad range of voices and I had to get like 15 people from different areas you know young mums people working in local businesses small businesses startups stuff like that and uh, it was at that point that I was so glad I was a chatty bugger because I was just like yeah I had all these people and yeah you just pull them in at the end of the day it all comes it all comes back to who you know like what we said earlier, like if you even if you know someone who knows someone, you know you can you can get in touch with them and and networking. It might come to nothing, but like even those those little interactions can just make the world of difference. Every day's a networking event. That's why I hate going to a, a networking events. I'm like, what, what, what? You mean Tuesday, do you? Yeah, come on there, mate. Do you say uh, scone or scone? Good question, Nick. Um... <laughs> it it should be said scone. I do say scone. But you don't say ston, it's a stone. I always every now and again I message my sister and I say, Do we pronounce it scone or scone? And she screenshots when I ask her like the time before and just send it on to me and apparently I say scone. Uh scone. I, I I'm same as chitty. Uh you don't say ston. I say whatever the other person doesn't say just to cause an argument, fuck it. Chitty, what is the weirdest dream you've had? Okay, this is a weird one, and you're going to have to give me a minute, but I've had it maybe three times in my life. It's so terrifying in my own mind that I throw up in my sleep. Oh, my God. That is awful. Do you know what the dream is? Yeah, no. I don't know. I don't know what brings it on. It's it's absolutely... Do you, are you okay talking about it? <laughs> I feel like this... It, it's, and... nothing, it's nothing that... Please don't vomit. ...has even, like, closely happened in reality. It's just I don't know why it happens, but I, yeah, it. I, I'm in like um like a pig factory, and I'm with all my friends from school, and there's like you know like the meat hooks that hang down from the the ceiling, and basically this is very vivid. Every, everyone's around me, and it's like bright light, and then it goes black. There's a scream. The lights come on, and one person is hanging from a hook, and, it, and that happens. It happens that I'm the only one left, and then it goes black. <laughs> I scream, and I wake up, and I'm covered in sick. <laughs> This is why I ask these questions. We're learning. More. I didn't. I've known you for three years. I didn't know that. I d- there we go. Well, excuse me. <laughs> That's crazy. 
I wasn't ready for this. It's Saturday. <laughs> Why? You, it's a Saturday afternoon. Why are you bringing this all up? Uh, <laughs> what the hell? I was not ready. Yeah, come on. Talk about the industry. It'll be great fun. Uh, Rowan, have you had a strange dream that you would like to talk about? You don't have to. I guess. Um, I, I, I've had loads of weird dreams since lockdown, which I think is quite a common thing. I think um, my, I, th- there was an article, I think, recently. I can't remember where. But, um, yeah, lots of people have been having weird dreams. Um, most of them are anxiety dreams, which isn't a lot of fun. I wake up thinking, what did I do wrong? And then I'm like, nothing. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I used to have a dream about the wrong trousers from Wallace and Gromit a lot when I was a kid. Uh, like a nightmare oh about them. So, yeah. I don't remember the details, but that that's kind of, yeah, the extent of the <laughs> what I remember. It's just a horrible dream where they like came into my house and uh, then like took me away. That's a nightmare. Yeah, jeez. Wallace, Wallace looks very sinister. Yeah, the trousers did, or Wallace and Gromit. The, the trousers, yeah, the trousers came. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. Uh, so I dream really vividly, and it's really cool. It's almost like I go into another world, and it's not like I've had one weird dream. I mean, I'm sure I've had a few weird dreams, but I had a period of time where I would always go like to the same place when I dreamt. Different things would happen, but they would always be in the same place. And then, and this is over a series of many dreams, like quite a few weeks, in my dream, like something happened. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I was aware that there was like a war going on and everything, all of a sudden, the grading got a lot bluer, you know, and like before it was all warm and summery and kind of really nice. And then it got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the grading changed and everybody was a little bit and people were missing from the dream and stuff like that. And it wasn't like, a, oh, look, and you were there and you were there. It wasn't like one of those. I was just aware that people were missing. It was very strange. It was really like I started getting excited about going to sleep. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are we? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing these people. Cool. We'll do two more. One of them is a joke one. One of them is slightly more serious. Um, They're all being pretty What serious. movie would be greatly improved? <laughs> what would be greatly? What movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? In your opinions, The Matrix is already a great one, but I like got to follow the rabbit down a hole. Where do we go? Take the blue pill, Neo. There you go. <laughs> Have you thought about this before? <laughs> nah, nah, I'm just good at shit. Like yeah, 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 yeah. We've got to say, 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 Zion, 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 Zion. From the machine, That's like a marching one. Everybody in them big robots. <laughs> we could do the whole trilogy just as one musical. That would be great. And then the slow. I've got to say, uh, could I save Trinity or the world? That's like Neo's big emotional number. Where you know, and then the architect could have a song. I don't even remember the metrics that in that that detail. It's got a script by the sounds of it. Rowan, do you have a film that you think might be better as a musical? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can top that, to be honest. Um, yeah, if you want to, if you want to throw in a second motion for the Matrix, I'm sure we I mean, can I'm, get it made. If if another of us agree I'm, today, I'm pretty pretty on Team Matrix at the moment. I was thinking like. Um, I, I, they, they probably already exist, but like a, a Star Wars or Back to the Future musical would be really cool. Would would be very popular. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking Star know. Wars. And can I just drop a bit of trivia there? Star Wars. When Darth Vader walks in, it goes da 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 da. That was my uncle on the trombone. He did like Indiana Jones and the ET and stuff like that. I think he's an uncle by marriage. In fact, so he's an uncle by marriage. And then I met somebody whose parents played in the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra who, of course, famously recorded that. And then I was kind of like, yeah, that's my uncle. And he was like, oh, I'll ask about it. And then I met the parents and they were like, uh, he said he doesn't have a nephew. <laughs> and I was like, uh, my marriage. But yeah, like he divorced my <laughs> mum's sister. But yeah, I'm, the, I'm his nephew. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, okay, sign off questions for everyone. Um, what, what is the best piece of advice or words of wisdom you'd like to impart on newcomers? Uh, signing up to the creative industries. Be nice. Lovely. Chitty? Oh, God, you got to give me time, Nick. This, you're <laughs> asking me to... You're, you're asking me to give all the wisdom I have in one single sentence. Um, yeah, I think I agree with, with Kishi, really. Just be nice to people. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lesson for life. Just If, if, you're, if you're not friendly, people aren't going to be friendly to you. You're not going to get asked to come back. You know, I, I, before I wanted to go into TV, I wanted to be a pilot. And I, I was always told, 
realistically, if you're not a nice person, no one is going to want to sit in a cockpit with you for like eight and a half hours. And it's the same with this. If you're if if you're on a shoot, no, like no one will want to work with you if you're not friendly. You're it's not chatting. Same as a camera you know, crew. Yeah. Be funny. Be nice. Be helpful. And be early. I'd like to add to mine as well. Don't get stressed out. Sorry, I'm sorry, Rowan. I'm sorry, uh, but don't get sorry. Right. Don't That's get. It's giving me time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get stressed out. Like uh, getting stressed on a shoot or any time in life. I know sometimes it is uh, inevitable, much like Thanos and then Iron Man. But like, <laughs> uh, like uh, getting stressed won't help uh, on a shoot. It won't help you. It won't help what's going on. If something goes wrong, it goes wrong. You shrug. You work it out. One way to not go insane in this job is just to not get stressed. Just to go, oh man, that happened. Okay, let's move on. Let's learn and let's move. I'm going to go with a different different angle. Um, oh, here he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to say don't do it. And the reason that I say that is because it's incredibly long hours. In the early days, it's... Uh, you're not paid very much. It is grueling. It's hard. It's very competitive. Um, and it's really hard to get into it. And the reason I, I say that is because if you're someone who's listening to that and thinking, I, I still want to do it, <laughs> then you're the right person to carry on. And um, I think if you if if you really want it, then yeah, you'll, you'll get it. That was deep as hell, man. The best things about working in the creative industry is there's so much... Um community spirit and the whole point in doing this sort of podcast series is kind of is to hear from the different people in the different creative industries and, and just to chat like frankly about it and everyone's just so you know so willing to help and give advice and it's you know it's a it is a good industry to be in cool i think we should wrap it up there thank you guys for being hey, on thanks for having us on is this a this is for charity right yeah this is all to yeah wow. tell, us, tell me about perfect that. segue <laughs> no we, worries. <laughs> we didn't actually mention the charities last week we had um, yeah i noticed that <laughs> we had um a po- sort of a poll on our content form and the two main ones out of a lot of them uh, it was between uh, mental health charities and cancer charities um, so we're going to support two charities. Um, so if you have enjoyed the content, if you've enjoyed the podcasts, um, we'd ask that you maybe donate to one of the charities. And one of the charities we're going to be supporting is Mind, um, the mental health charity. Um, and Toby, would you like to say the other? Uh, so the other one that we'll be covering is for um, Macmillan Cancer Support. Uh, so helping them out on them. Sensational. Thank you for having me, guys. And Nice to meet you all as well. If I haven't met you before, this network, I got your, I got your, I got your social handles. I'm following you. <laughs> Bro, thank you guys. Take care. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you all. Cheers. It's been a lot of fun. Sweet. Ciao, ciao, ciao. All right, guys. See you all.